0: So before you say I'm coming back, you should probably hear what I have to say tonight and decide if you really want me to come back. That's, that's pretty ambitious right there. Um, and listen, I'm sorry, like, I, I preach here every Wednesday. I have, a, I have a hatred for those lights up there, and so I have a, I have a sweet spot. Um I, I've trained a couple high schoolers to, to put it in the right sweet spot, so I don't know. You, you'll learn. Those lights are, those lights are terrible. And I think they have shades on it. But anyways, my name is Josh Irvin. I'm the youth pastor here at FBC, And I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. It's a little weird to be here on a Tuesday night. I kept thinking today was Wednesday. And so I keep thinking, man, it's Wednesday, um, you know, and all that stuff. And I keep forgetting, oh, my goodness, I got to go to Ignite tomorrow. And so it's, it's really messed my week up. So feel bad for me. Please feel bad for me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. So listen, tonight we're going to talk about a really uplifting uplifting uh, topic. And we're going to talk about depression. And so, (laughs) listen, yeah. So we're going to talk about depression. And so I'm going to say this from the the start. Depression is a very real thing. Anxiety is a very real thing. Worry, fear, doubt, all of those things are very real things. I think sometimes in the church, when we talk about these things, we're almost ashamed if we ever feel those things. Because it's like, well, I mean, we're not allowed to feel that. And so for me, just, just real briefly, 2022 was a really, really hard year for me. And I don't want you to feel bad. I just want to say this because for whatever reason, it was a terrible year. And nothing really, really bad actually happened. But, you know, I, there are some things that the Lord taught me to work on. But at the end of the day, I think Satan was just coming after me. And so it, it was a year filled with depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. And so I preached this message before in, in 2020, and so I'm like, oh, I'll just preach this again. And then as I went through it, I realized, oh, I have so much more to add to it. And so I say that to say when I, when I talk about this subject, I've dealt with it. Um, I've dealt with it years and years ago when I was stupid living in sin. It's crazy. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, but I dealt with it last year. And so if you're here and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I struggle with this. I struggle with anxiety, worry, depression, and And nobody knows how else I, you know, how I feel. I just want you to know you're not alone. Um, When you're going to, you know, follow the Lord and you're going to go all in for the Lord, there's this thing called the fellowship of his sufferings. And all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. You know, all of our favorite verses in the Bible. And so you might get to a point where where you have to deal with these kind of things. And so I was looking up some stats and I I found a few stats regarding depressions. And I had a bunch of them and I threw most of them out. Actually, Casey threw most of them out. But um, this one pertains to you guys. Age, adult, young adults ages 18 to 15 in the U.S. have the highest rate of ex, um, experience any mental health concerns at 30%. 30% of people 18 to 25 struggle with some form of depression. 21 million U.S. adults are living with depression. And 156 of strongly religious people have been diagnosed with depression. And so people struggle with this all the time. And so the reality of the situation is, is you might go through a time in your life where you struggle with this, where, where you feel defeated, where you're going through hard times and things just build up and build up and build up. But the good news is, is God doesn't want you to live like that. He doesn't want you to stay in that. Like you might have to deal with it for a while, but God is, God is a gracious God, and we're going to see that tonight. He's a gracious God. He wants to help you through that. He wants to be there with you. And so before we really go any further, I want to talk. There's three main reasons that people experience depressions, and I'm going to go through this pretty quick. But the first one, there is mental illness. You know, sometimes I think people say, well, Jesus is enough. Well, there's a small subset of people that Jesus isn't enough. They got chemical imbalances, and they struggle. And in case you don't know it, there is a world that is growing up right now that are on drugs, and they're having kids, and this problem is going to get worse and worse. I've talked to uh, my, my friends, uh, the principal at Midville Elementary, and the stuff he has to deal with. There, there's kids in kindergarten who are just nuts, and you know what? The reality is, is they come from a drug family. Mom and dad are on drugs, and so th- this is going to be a problem. But one of the main reasons that people are going to deal with depression, and, and it's really simple: it's sin. Sin separates us from God. When you're born, you're a sinner. You're separated from God. It's sending you to hell. So the reality is is sin is a big deal, and we all know that, right? And so if someone's not saved, they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They don't have the comforter. They don't have the, the Prince of Peace. And so they have a hole. And so they can never find true happiness. They're not finding the joy, peace, and all the stuff that God promises us if we follow him. But then there's a bunch of Christians who choose to live in sin. They choose to be lukewarm. And then they wonder why they're miserable. Well, I go to church here and there. I mean, listen, I don't actually do everything God tells me to do, but I do some of it. And God says, listen, I I hate when people are lukewarm. I hate it. And then we wonder, though, why we're living in sin. We're like, man, I just don't get why I can't find happiness. Well, you're not going to find happiness living in sin. James 1 tells us sin leads to death. It never takes you anywhere good. And the last reason we're going to talk about, and this is where we're going to find in our story tonight, Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Depression can come from spiritual warfare. We have a very real enemy, and I think we all know that. But I think sometimes we forget just how terrible he is. He hates you. He absolutely hates you. He wants to destroy you. We've been experiencing some crazy things that Ignite this year, just just from man, kids who have to deal with stuff they should never have to deal with. It's absolutely heartbreaking. You know why they deal with it? Because there's sin and we have a very real enemy. And he doesn't hold punches. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're popular. He doesn't care if you're rich. He doesn't care if you're poor. He he doesn't care. He just wants to attack you. He doesn't play fair. You know, when I was growing up, one of my best friend's dad told me, when you're in a real fight, if you ever have to get in a real fight, there's no shame in cheap shots. You fight to win. You do whatever you have to do to win. That was literally what he told me. I thought he was joking. He was dead serious. After, you know, I was like 16. So for 24 years, I've never had to use that advice yet. So, But know this, if you come at me, you come at me, it won't be a fair fight. <laughs> I, I took that personally. I've never had to use it, but you won't, you're not getting a fair fight from me. But that's Satan. He knows your weaknesses, he knows who your family is, he knows who you care about, he knows, he knows everything about you. And you know what? He knows where to push buttons. And let me tell you something, he's going to push every single button especially when he looks at a Christian who's gotten over the world, who's gotten over the flesh and starting to follow the Lord and they're, they're going hard after the Lord. you know what? He says, yeah, yeah. Now, now it's your turn. I'm coming after you. And the problem we have in this world today is, is whenever you come to a lot of churches in this world, you know what they tell you? They tell you, this is crazy to me, they tell you God's not enough. The world's telling you God's not enough to be happy, but we got a lot of churches who are just going to sit there and tell you that, that God's not enough. They're going to tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God, God's enough. But you, but you need, you need therapy. You need medicine. You need this world's wisdom. You need all, you need all this crap. I've heard it. I've read a few books. I didn't get far in them, but they're pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's really my excuse for not reading the book. <laughs> it's bad doctrine. Chucking out the window. But no, listen, the, the world tells you God's not enough. Now the church is telling you God's not enough. Like, you can't overcome this whole thing of depression. You've you got to have this, you've got to have this, and you've got to have this. And somewhere in the world, we, we, we put God in a box and said, you know what, you're not enough. You're not enough to get over my anxiety, my fear, my depression. You're just not enough, God. And so I propose to you tonight that God is most definitely able to fix your depression, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, terrible situations, whatever it is. But you're going to have to let him do it on his terms and his timing. And let me tell you from experience, his timing isn't always your timing. And tonight's message is titled, If I'm supposed to be happy, why am I depressed? Because you know what? You come to church and everyone says, well, follow the Lord. You get joy. You get peace. You get all his promises. You get all this stuff, right? But then why is there so many Christians that walk around in depression and anxiety and fear? the thing is is that you're probably going to experience those things at some point in life you younger guys are like well i'm i'm just fat dumb and happy i just graduated high school okay follow the lord long enough it'll happen follow the lord long enough or or just go hog wild and sin. listen it, it's coming you won't be happy you're not finding happiness in any of that stuff Once again, I think sometimes we're like, man, I I don't want to talk about my depression because people are going to judge me or they're going to think I'm this horrible person. I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. But the fact of the matter is, is if you go to the Bible, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a bunch of people who struggle with depression. Job. David. I mean, read the Psalms that David wrote. It's an up and down roller coaster. Woo! Woo! Jeremiah. Jeremiah does. And we're going to read about Elijah tonight. And you know what? Elijah struggles with depression in, in, in the chapters we're going to read about. And so we're going to read a lot of verses. And I did think to myself, I told Cody this. I thought, man, I wish I could have somebody come up in here and read this for me. But I'm not going to. We got a lot of verses, and I'm not always, I'm going to refer to them. I'm not always going to go back and read some of them. So let's just pay attention. Put your listening ears on. It's what I tell my kids. So you guys are old enough, you'll be, you'll, you'll be able to do it. So 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with, uh, with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not the life of the, of the life of the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And this is Elijah. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, "It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am now better. I am not better than my father." So here's Elijah. He's hiding. He's listen. Just kill me. Just kill me, Lord. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, "Arise and eat." And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon, on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, "Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee." And he arose and he did eat and drink, and he uh, went in strength of the meat forty days and forty nights unto Harab uh, the mount of God. the Lord's uh, and then sorry, that's like the uh, I forgot to take that part out when you know how you're reading through Esau and it has a little title yeah thought I removed that I didn't that was not the King James anyways back to the King James first first uh, 1 kings 199 it says and he came thither under a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said unto him what doeth thou here elijah and he said i have been very jealous for the lord god of hosts and for the king uh, the children of israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword and i even i only am left and uh, they seek my life to take it. And he said, go forth and, and stand upon the mount before the Lord and he, and beheld, And the Lord passed by in a great uh, and strong wind, rent the mountains and break and place the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a, a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel." To be king of Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaft, shall uh, thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So I know that's a lot, and a lot of you have probably heard this story, but here we find Elijah running for his life, sitting under a juniper tree, and you know what? He just wants to die, and he's just throwing a big old pity party when the Lord comes and says, hey, what's up, dude? He's throwing a big old pity party, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, that, that actually makes sense. The dude, the dude, the king Ahab and Jezebel, they want to kill him. I mean, if someone wanted to kill you, how would you respond? Would you run? I would probably run. I would fight dirty if I had to, but I would run. But it's a weird response from, uh, from Elijah because does anybody know what happens in the chapters before this? Nobody knows what happens. Ty, Ty knows. What happens? Prophets of Baal. In the two chapters before this, Elijah is having victory after victory after victory with the Lord. The Lord's using him in mighty ways. The Lord's doing amazing things. And so in, verse, uh, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, the Lord tells Elijah to go tell King Ahab there's a drought coming. and he say, hey, well, you're not going to have rain for a while. And so the drought comes, and the Lord says, hey, go down by this brook. I'm going to give you water. He sends ravens to feed him. Then the Lord said, hey, I'm not sending ravens anymore. The brook's going to dry up. You need to go find this lady. So he goes, finds a lady, and he, the lady's like, man, we have, I have enough for one more meal. I have enough oil to make bread for, for one more meal, meal. And Elijah's like, listen, we're going to be fine. And the Lord supernaturally gives her more and more every single day, and, and they live. And so, you know, Elijah goes away, he comes back, and the widow had a son, and guess what? The widow's son dies. And so here's Elijah, like, oh man, that stinks. And so he raises her from the dead. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever have a victory like that before? And then you get to chapter 18. And chapter 18 is one of of my favorite books in the Bible, or chapters in the Bible. It's an amazing story. Elijah goes, and he goes before the prophets of Baal. He goes before King Ahab, who, by the way, they had been killing the other prophets, and at this point... Elijah knew, if I go to Ahab and I do this, they're probably going to want to kill me. But he decides, okay, we're going to go anyways. And he takes on the prophets of Baal and he asks them, listen, we're going to put up two altars and we're going to see who, what God sacrifices on the altar, what God's going to bring down fire so that the prophets of Baal doesn't do it. And I love Elijah because he's sarcastic, I'm a sarcastic guy, and he's mocking them. Like, where's your God? They're crying out, nothing's happening. So Elijah says, hey, why don't you dig a trench around my altar? Why don't we throw a bunch of water on it? Let's see what my God does. And God shoots down fire, boom, gone. Then he kills all the prophets of Baals, hundreds of them. I mean, how cool was that? I mean, he probably didn't fight fair either. And then he goes to Ahab and he's having a conversation and said, hey, you know what? It's going to rain. And then all of a sudden the Lord sends rain. Now, that is a very impressive streak of victories. That streak shows an amazing power that God has. God's using him over and over and over and over again. So when it gets to the point where old Jesse says, I'm going to kill you, let's kill him. Wh- why? Why is he running? Because the reality is, is there's a spiritual warfare and there's an enemy. And after a while, he, I think he just got beat down. And so guess what he does? He runs. And tonight we're going to see how Elijah fell into depression, but we're also going to see how he got out. And now I'm going to give you a spoiler. The spoiler is, it wasn't medication, it wasn't self-help, it wasn't therapy. You know what? It wasn't until the Lord showed up and he started listening. But our first point is, is the path to depression. And Elijah's first mistake was simply this, Elijah ran from his problems. When Jezebel threatens Elijah, you know what? He runs. Elijah hears the queen wanted to kill him and all of a sudden it says, listen, he freaked out, he ran for his life, he's under a juniper tree, he's depressed now. And here's the reality, when, when life gets really hard, when, when, when Satan's attacking you and you're feeling depressed and you're anxious and you're worried and you don't know what to do, let me tell you what you don't do, you don't run. That's your instinct. Your instinct says, that, that's fight or flight, listen, we're out, I'm out. I can't handle it anymore. But the reality is, is we, we're never called to hide. Ephesians 6, 11 through 14 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, we are called to stand and fight. God says, Put on the armor of God so you can fight. You don't put on the armor of God so you can turn around and run. You put on the armor of God so you can fight. And who are you fighting against? You're fighting against the wiles of the devil. And when Satan comes after you, you, you don't fight. And listen, if you're depressed and you're living in sin, you know what you've got to do? You've got to fight, you've got to repent, and you've got to overcome the sin by the power of God. You've you got you to do that. You never run. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what you need to do? You need to submit yourself to God. You need to continue to read. You need to continue to pray. And then you need to resist the devil. And you know what? You can overcome it. Not you, but with God's help. 1 Corinthians 6.13, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, faith. quit ye like men, be strong. And you, you have to be strong. Elijah, in this moment, all, in chapter 17 and chapter 18, he was strong, he trusted the Lord, and he got victory. In 19, he stopped trusting the Lord, and you know what? He ran. And in 1 Peter 9, which, by the way, is right after the verse that we're told that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he warns us who our enemy is in First Peter 5.8. In verse 9 of First Peter, it says, Whom resisted, said, in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions were accomplished in your brother and that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye suffer, uh, suffer a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Listen, we have an enemy. But we're called to stand fast. And by the way, a lot of times when you're fighting, and we're going to talk about this more, but whenever you're fighting and you're feeling depressed and anxious, you know, you, you feel, you feel alone. And God's saying, listen, you're not alone. You got the Lord, you got, you got the other people in, you know, if you're here, you have the well, you have First Baptist, you have your church if you don't go to First Baptist. And then Peter tells us in the end, you know what? It, it, all this stuff, all the battles that you're facing, all the feelings you're facing, all the stuff that may be, might be getting thrown at you, it, it's to strengthen you, to establish you, to make you perfect. That doesn't mean, hey, I'm sinless. It just means mature. God's trying to grow you, Christian, but he can't grow you if you run. In fact, we're only called to flee a few things in the Bible. False doctrine, 1 Timothy 6.11. Fornication, fornication with sexual sin, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee adultery, 1 Corinthians 10.14. Flee youthful lust, 2 Timothy 2.2. You know, God says, listen, you, you need to fight, fight against the devil. You need to fight the attacks that are coming your way. You need to stand strong. When it comes to sin, get the heck out of there. It's pretty good advice. Elijah didn't do that. He said, oh, see you later, dude. I'm out. Next thing we see is, is Elijah isolated himself. Verse 3 tells us he left his servant. The guy who would have been with him, the guy who would have helped him out, encouraged him, is probably one of his friends. And he went, not only did he leave his servant, it says he wants a day's journey. He's a day away from anybody. He, he's gone. And to make matters worse, listen, like I said, the, the one guy that probably could have helped him with his servant, he's like, yeah, you got, you got to stay back here. And it's funny though, whenever you begin to deal with this stuff, this is what happens in most people's life. When you go through tough times, you know what you start to do? You start to kind of distance yourself from the people you shouldn't distance, distance yourself with. You start distance yourself from the, from the church, from your friends who can help you. And there's a lot of reasons. Maybe, listen, maybe you push them away when you're feeling like this because they try to tell you the truth and you don't like it. You know what? Maybe the servant told Elijah, you're an idiot. We just, we're having a heck of a run, dude. Let's keep going. And he's like, Yeah, no, no, out of here. I don't know. Maybe he figured, you know, they're going to kill me if I'm with my servant. So he uses the excuse and, and stops the trust in God and says, I'm going to save my servant's life. Listen, I, I don't know. Whatever he did, you know what he did? He ran and he got the heck out of there. And maybe, maybe, like I said before, maybe he's just ashamed of how he felt. Maybe he's like, man, I've had all these victories in my life, but all of a sudden I feel depressed and I don't know what to do, so I'm going to run. And I'm sure at some point Elijah thought to himself, man, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, he was the prophet of God, but he just kept going. And the reality is, is when we struggle with depression, anxiety, fear and doubt, you know what ends up happening? We run from all the people we shouldn't. We just get out. Number one, we're not supposed to be running. But then we're just leaving everybody in the dust. And in the, in, in the end, Elijah just wanted to be alone. And Christian, being alone is a dangerous place to be. You have no support from God because, you, listen, at this point, you're not listening to God. He's not trusting God. I mean, that's pretty clear. You have no support. He had no support for the servant. But if you're all alone, you have no support from your church, your friends, your friends. And when it's just you and your mind, listen, that, that's a dangerous place to be. And maybe it's just me, but my mind is a terrible place to be. My mind, I'm a natural worrier. So if I'm not in a good situation, I like to worry. I'm really good. I can tell you, i listen, I've said it before. Some of you heard me say it. I can tell you what can happen in a good situation. I'll tell you a bad, I'll tell you what bad can happen in a good situation. There, took a while to get out. I'm really good at it. You go on vacation, have fun with your kids. I'll tell you like 20 things that could go horribly wrong. I'm just a worrier. That's just how how I am. So when I'm alone, when I'm running from God, it's a bad place to be. And I think that's most of us. And next, Elijah stopped caring for himself. Elijah, or verse 5 says that he slept under a juniper tree. It also tells us, by the way, the first thing that the Lord does when he comes is tries to give him something to eat and drink. Elijah's solution was to avoid the problem. And when we fall into depression and anxiety, you know what? We want to avoid things. And a lot of times, you know what we do? We just sleep. Elijah's sleeping. You know what happens when you're sleeping? You're not thinking about it. There's just one problem. When you wake up, your problem's still there. A lot of people do it with with some form of relationship, sex, drugs, alcohol. The problem is it's always still there whenever you're done. And when we struggle with these things, we often simply don't take care of ourselves. Maybe you don't eat or maybe you eat too much. Maybe you don't sleep. Maybe you do sleep too much. But those are not good things. And in the end, Elijah became selfish. You can see this in verse 4, verse 10. But let me read verse 4. But he himself on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, to take away my life for I am not better than my father's. He's throwing a pity party, guys. He's just throwing a pity party for himself. You know what Elijah does? He does what we're so good at so often. He he plays the victim. Woe is me. Like, you don't understand. In verse 10, he says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, of the children of Israel, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. Even I and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he says almost the same thing in verse 14. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, it's, it's all about me. I'm going to die. I'm going to do this. I, I, I. And you know what he does? It's very interesting. He actually sounds kind of spiritual. Oh, Lord, I've just been serving you. I've been so jealous for you, Lord. You know what Christians do? We just put a spiritual spin on playing the victim. We just play a game. Well, what was me? I'm just serving the Lord. And it's so hard. Well, what would he do? It's hard for everybody. Get back up and start serving. But this is where Elijah is. He, he, he became very selfish. All the other victories, he's relying on the Lord. All the other victories, he, he's trusting the Lord. You have, listen, you have to trust the Lord. When you go in and you tell a widow that you're going to raise her son from the dead, you've got to trust the Lord. When you're getting ready to take on the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, you've got to trust the Lord. Not only did he trust him, he was cocky about it because he knew his God would come through, and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's all about me. It's all about me now. Listen, when you're depressed and you're worried and you're anxious and you, and you fall into that, it all becomes about you. I feel this way. I'm scared. I, I, I. And then we just begin to play the victim. And so Elijah was depressed. He ran. He isolated himself. He tried to sleep his days away and he focused on himself and not the Lord all while trying to justify his feelings. And the Lord comes, hey, how you doing? Well, okay, this is why I feel this way, Lord. But Colossians 3.2 actually says what we're supposed to live like. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Listen, our affections should be on the Lord, right? Not, not on our situations. They may be tough. And I get, listen, I get it. That's tough. When you're struggling with this stuff, it is hard. It is very hard to set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. But you know what you have to do? You have to force yourself to do it. Sometimes you're going to have to read your Bible a few more times a day. Sometimes you're going to have to pray a little more. Listen, in 2022, there were days where I felt like all I did was read my Bible. All I did was pray. I'm not saying that to be spiritual, it's the only thing I knew to get through my day. But you know what? I got through it. And it certainly wasn't me, it was the Lord. Listen, the mighty Elijah, right now, one of the greatest prophets ever, is struggling, and he's selfish. And Elijah paints a a picture that many of us can get stuck in. We get stuck in a battle in this life and we get scared and instead of trusting God and remember who's on our side, who gave us all these victories before, we run, we isolate ourselves, we don't take care of ourselves and we lose our focus. But the good news is is that if you ever find yourself in this place or if you're in this place, there's a way out. And point two is finding peace through depression. And, And I use this specifically Finding peace. I didn't say finding like an emergency way out of a depression. Depression can last a while. Maybe the spiritual attack is going to be a long time. But here's the reality. You can find peace through it. And this is, this is my favorite part of the story. Because what happens next in this story, why he's complaining and he, he's hiding, you know what happens? Elijah gave up on the Lord, but the Lord didn't give up on Elijah. I mean, how gracious is our God? Like, if you're this, if you're God, like, if, okay, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'll give you a little insight in me. If I'm God at this point, I'm like, you're an idiot. Look what I just did for you, you moron. I'm going to go find somebody else. I just would. It's just, it, I'm, I, listen, that's, I'm a flawed human. But that's not what God did. In First Kings 19, we see the angel of the Lord showed up. And the angel of the Lord, if you study that out, you know what, that, that, that's Jesus. It's Jesus before he comes to earth. That's a big deal. God shows up and says, hey, hey Elijah, what you doing? You know what God didn't do when he shows up? He didn't say, man, our relationship's over, I'm never going to forgive you, and man, I will never use you again. No, God didn't do that. God wanted to help him. God wants to help us because God is such a gracious God. And so whenever God shows up, you start to, th- you start to see a few things change. And point A, the first thing when you're dealing with depression is you need to take care of yourself. This is a really simple, simple point, by the way. The first thing God does when he wakes Elijah up is he meets a physical need. He said, here's some food. Why don't you eat? So he eats, he goes back to sleep. God says, hey, wake up. Let's eat again. You got a journey coming up. Let's eat again. And here's the reality. Food and sleep can do a lot for us. Now, you, you can't oversleep, but the reality is, if, if you're going to work out, like, I like to work out, I, I, listen, I don't like it, I just, I just try to stay in shape, and it's, it gets old after 40. Good luck. Enjoy it now, kids. Well, you know what they tell you? If, if you're going to work out, if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to be at your peak performance, but listen, I'm not trying to say, by the way, I'm at my peak performance. This is what they tell you, though. Seven eight hours of sleep, eat healthy meals throughout the day. Take care of yourself. When I don't sleep, I'm angry. When I don't eat, I'm angry. When I eat too much, I'm miserable. When I sleep too much, I'm just sluggish. And that's the way it is for all of us. And, and this is a, such a simple point, but listen, y'all, just take care of yourself. Exercise, eat right, that, that's a good start. It's the first thing God does. Super spiritual, right? But if you're tired or you're sleeping your days away, what's going to happen? Land, listen, Landon's and I'd love to hear what he's thinking. If you're not eating, how good are you? And, and, and once again, you say, well, you know, why are you even bringing this up? Because, it, because it's hard. And I lost 25 pounds. I tried to eat. Last year, I lost 25 pounds. And from April or August 6th through, I think it was October 26th, that was the day I got back from vacation and my first night in Albania, I didn't sleep through an entire night. I would wake up generally around three times a night. It affects you. And I wanted to get up, and there was days where I just wanted to, like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to hang out with my kids. I just want to go to sleep. Listen, but you know what? I realized I, I can't function that way. So, so I know the effects of it. And you're like, well, that's crazy. Well, listen, if you ever deal with it, you're going to know the effects of it. Just start trying to take care of yourself. But I don't want to eat. Just do it anyways. I don't want to sleep. Try to do it anyways. I just want to sleep all day. Don't. Get up and take a walk. And it sounds crazy if you've never dealt with this. By the way, if you've never dealt with this, it sounds crazy. But just, you'll understand if you ever go through it. And the next thing is, is do not withdraw yourself. Like we said before in verse 3, he isolated himself. But the reality is in verse 15, God says, Go, return on the, thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. God says, listen, and we're going to get to this point in a second, but it's like you've got work to do. You need to get up and go do something. And the first and most basic thing that you can't isolate yourself from is this. And there's two basic things. And these are the, the natural things when you fall into this type of this mood, this depression, anxiety. There's two natural things as a Christian you're going to pull yourself away from. It. The first is the Lord. The one guy, by the way, who can actually help you. But we, re, we, re, we retreat. We're going to retreat from the Lord. And you're like, well, well, that just seems like that's a bad idea. Well, it is, but we do it. Elijah did it. When we're dealing with these issues, it's easy to think the Lord's ashamed of us, that he doesn't want to help us. That, like, oh man, like I know God says joy and peace, but I feel like this and I've let the Lord down. But listen, come to this ch- chapter if you ever feel like that and realize that God said, listen, Elijah, I'm here for you, I'm going to help you. He doesn't want you to feel that way. It's not the way you should feel. You need to trust the Lord, but you need to go to him. You can't run from him. Deuteronomy 31:6 says, "Be strong and of good courage; fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, He it is that uh, doth go with them. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee." And Moses is talking to the children of Israel, and they're getting ready to go into the Promised Land. They're getting ready to fight. They're getting ready to have a lot of battles. They're getting ready to fight the people that the spies in numbers said, "Oh, they're just—they're huge. We can't beat them. It would have been scary." But Moses says, listen, be strong, be of good courage, fear not, don't be afraid of them. Why? Because you can handle them? No. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. When you withdraw yourself from the Lord, you are literally withdrawing yourself from the one person who can truly help you. Instead of withdrawing yourself from the Lord, you need to run to the Lord. That's what Elijah Elijah should have done. Don't isolate yourself from the Lord. You know what you need to do? Open up, your, open up His Word and read. Well, I read a few chapters. I, don't, I didn't get anything. Keep reading. I read and I felt a little better and an hour later, I felt the same way. Well, read again. You might find yourself reading a lot, but you know what? You'll find yourself getting to know God a little bit better. The Bible says we can go boldly to His throne. You know what you need to do? Pour your heart out to Him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. The God of the universe... The creator of everything. The God who loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross for your sin. The God who conquered sin and death. You know what he says? Like, come to me and cast all your cares on me. Why? Because I care about you. Because I want to help you. If God didn't want you dealing with depression and thought it was a horrible thing, he wouldn't have told you about Elijah. He wouldn't have told you about David. He wouldn't have told you about Job. He doesn't want you to stick in that. He wants you to have victory. But you can't withdraw yourself from him. It's a natural response. And the second thing you can't isolate yourself from is the church. Man, I'm depressed I, and all those people are happy and well, Listen, here's the reality, man. Not everybody's so happy. If you're dealing with this stuff, let me encourage you. Just come to church and just be honest. Just be honest. Don't put on a show. Seriously, don't don't put on a show. It doesn't mean you got to be like, "Hey, I'm depressed." How you doing? unimpressed. No, find, find people here. Find people here who you can trust and talk to. Talk to Nick. You know what? Nick loves you. Nick's a busy man. Nick's got a lot of things on. He just got married and all of a sudden, hey, you, you want to take over the well? And he's like, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do it. You know why he does it? Because he loves the Lord and he loves you guys. He wants to help you. Bruno and Chrissy, go talk to them. Listen, find someone further along. Come talk to me. You, don't come in here and fake it. I got high schoolers who do it all the time. I'm miserable, miserable, miserable. We'll toast it all on social media. I'm a horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll come in and and listen. They're miserable. And and then all of a sudden they come to church and we're happy. What's wrong? Nothing. Man, just be honest. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Man, if, if you want out of depression, you run to God and you run to the church and you find someone you can trust, you pour your heart out to both of those, to God and the people at the church. You know why? Because, because you can pray for them. You know what I did? I, I, I started to actually withdraw myself quite, quite well. And then I have a loving wife who's very honest at all times, and she said, listen, you need to go talk to people. No, you need to go talk to people. I'm like, well, I don't want to talk to people. I was embarrassed. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't want to go tell my friends I feel this way. She's like, no, you need to. Like, you've preached this before. I'm like, Shut up. I didn't say it. I thought it. And she's not surprised I thought it. But you know what I did? I, I, she was right. The Bible literally tells us to do it. So I, so I went, and you, and you know what I did? I went, and I talked to Troy. I'm like, man, I'm struggling. You know what he did? We sat in his office, and we prayed. My bet, one of my best friends in the world is Todd Goff. I talked to him about it. And you know what? He always checked up. He still checks up on me. I love you, dude. And hey, by the way, I, I dealt with this when I was in my 20s. Can I, can I tell, you, tell you how I got through it? Yeah. You know why? Because he loves me. Because he cares about me. Because I was willing to talk to someone. That's what we need to do. But far too, far too often, Christians struggle with depression. Instead of running to God and running to someone at the church they can trust, they just withdraw themselves like Elijah and you're never going to get victory over this stuff if you do that. Never. You're just going to start spiraling out of control. Listen, you know how me and the rest of the church can never help someone who's depressed? If they don't tell me. I can't help you if you don't tell me. You want to put on a happy face? Great, put on a happy face. I'm not going to help you because I don't know. So instead of isolating yourself and hiding your issues, just be honest. And for the rest of you at the church who maybe you're having a grand old time and you're serving the Lord and you're not depressed, when someone comes to you, you know what you don't do? You don't judge them. You pray for them. Right. You love them. You encourage them. You talk to them. You check up on them. Yep. Because listen, that might be you someday. What a shame if someone would walk through these doors and come in here and be like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm like, well, I'm not. Never dealt with that before. Well, what freaking da. What a shame that would be, guys. Yeah. We're called to help. Right. Hebrews 10, 25, we use this verse all the time and say, man, this is why you should go to church. But it's more than that, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Listen, exhorting means, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says this, inciting to good deeds by works or arguments, encouraging, counseling. Why do you come to church? You come to church to serve the Lord, it's, you know, obviously it's what God used, He wants to use to reach the world, but we should be able to come here for healing, for encouragement, for counseling. That's what the church should be for everybody, the lost and the saved. Listen, if your life is going great right now and you're walking with the Lord and everything's wonderful and someone opens up to you about their struggles and you're not willing to help them and you judge them, shame on you. That's not what Jesus would do. It's not what he does throughout, throughout the whole Bible. Let me ask you this. Is the well where Christians and lost people can come who are struggling and find hope and find encouragement, find counseling and get healing? Are you going to point them to Jesus? I hope so. Because if not, man, shame on you. If not, Nick and the other leaders, man, they got a lot of work to cut out. But man, if you ever find yourself struggling... You can't withdraw from God. You can't withdraw from the church. It sounds so simple, but it's our natural reaction in depression. And more importantly, you need to be willing to listen to the Lord. Once again, not a hard thing. But whenever you're depressed and you're struggling, sometimes it's hard to listen to the Lord. Or sometimes you go to the Lord and you know what you say. Man, God, I'm depressed. Fix it. Now, I need something magical to happen. That's not what happens. 1 Kings 19, through 13, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but you know what? The Lord tells him to go on a journey. You realize that Elijah is struggling with this, I want to kill myself, and God's like, hey, you've got a great journey. Uh, by the way, you're going to have to go for 40 days. Well, that, that's 40 days he had to deal with his depression. 40 days he had to deal with all his thoughts and his anxiety. And then when the Lord does show up, the Lord comes, and you know, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, there's wind, there's all this stuff, and you think the Lord's going to show up because we want the Lord to do something amazing. It doesn't show up in any of those things. It literally says that, you know, after the wind came, but the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the fire. It wasn't in the earthquake. Where was the Lord? In the still small voice. You know where you're going to find the Lord? In his word. You're going to find the Lord when you open up his Bible and you read. Listen, change, and this change always comes, by the way. It comes when you hear the word of the Lord. You're never going to find true joy and happiness until you allow yourself to hear from the Lord through his word and then respond accordingly. Once again, I, you guys are smart. You got to hear and you got to respond. But I want to I want to point out again, when you hear from the Lord, you might have to hear from the Lord for a long time. It might not your problems might not just go away. You know what, your enemy hates you and he's going to keep fighting at you and he's going to keep finding different ways to attack you and he's going to come, and he's going to come, and he's going to come and you know what, he might come for a year and you might have to hear from the Lord every single day over and over and over again. But listen, he's there. You'll hear the still small voice. He'll comfort you. So you have to be willing to not only withdraw from him but to run to him and find the still small voice. Sometimes it's going to take time for your depressions and problems to go away, guys. If you're dealing with this, you're, you listen, sometimes life just sucks. You guys are old enough. Many of you know that. Sometimes when I tell high schoolers, I feel like I'm bursting their bubble, especially the freshmen. Like, hey, life sucks. And like, oh. <laughs> what do you mean? You tell, tell it to middle schoolers, and you all of a sudden, I mean, you know, you're at camp praying for unicorns. You're like, what do you mean? Life sucks. Man, life sucks sometimes, and it sucks for a while sometimes. But let me encourage you this. If you're willing to hear the still, small voice, those are the moments where you realize that God is there, that he loves you, and he wants to help you. If God just magically said, hey, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're fearful, you're doubting, you don't know what to do in life, and he just, bam, fixes the problem. Oh, hey, thanks, God, but you know what? The reality of the situation is, is that we never got to spend a lot of time with God. Why would we spend time with God? He just fixed my problem. I think maybe Elijah, and listen, it doesn't say this, but maybe Elijah had so many miracles in his life and so many things that just, man, everything's going right, that when something like this came and he's starting to deal with this, he didn't know what to do with it. And God says, listen, you need to spend some time with me. And that's what you have to do. Psalms 41 through 2 and then verse 8 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me uh, and heard my cry. He brought me up out out of a horrible pit. Listen, that. This is David, y'all. Out of a horrible pit. David's not in a good spot here. Out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my going. And in verse 8 it says, I will delight to do thy will. O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And so David's in a horrible pit. He's struggling, but you know what? He put his feet on the rock. He put his feet on Christ. He, he ran to the, to the Lord. It says, Yea, thy law, the, thy word is, is within my heart. He focused on the Lord. But unfortunately, in verse 1, it says, I I waited patiently for the Lord. Sometimes you just have to wait. And when you're depressed, it's easy to not be in the Word daily. It really is. It's easy to want to sleep. It's easy to want to hide. It's easy to want to play the victim. It's easy to just want to run. The problem is a day becomes another day, and days become weeks, weeks become months, and sometimes maybe you don't hear from the Lord for a long time. then we think oh man God's not there and then then not only are we feeling depressed but we haven't talked to God for how long and then man God's really ashamed of us we got to remember verses like Deuteronomy 4 29 and 21 through 31 it says but if thou then shalt seek the Lord thy God thou shalt find him if thou uh, uh, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thine soul what what an amazing promise by the way that is if you seek the Lord if you genuinely seek the Lord you know what he says you're going to find me even after you screw up when thou art in tribulation, when you're struggling, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days. By the way, we're in the latter days. If thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. Praise the Lord for that. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor, uh, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Listen, God won't ever forsake you. Just run to him and hear a still small voice. There were so many times when I would just be reading through the Bible, and, and I'm struggling. Like the one, the one morning I woke up, and I'm like, Lord, I'm so overwhelmed. I just, I'm just, I, I don't even, I don't even understand. And, and I open up the Bible, and David's talking about being overwhelmed. I'm like, huh? You do listen, but, but you have to put in the time. And I love. uh Zechariah says, uh, Then he shall." And then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You want to get out of depression, anxiety, fear, and all that stuff? Listen, the reality is this. You're not getting it out. Of, out, out. You're not fixing it on your might. You're not fixing it on your power. You've got to rely on the Lord. You've got to hear a still, small voice, and then you have to obey. And then once you get focused on that and you're focused on the Lord, you just need to get to work. You know what helps when you're struggling with depression and anxiety? And it, just, just, just be busy. Get to work. I'm not. Listen, by the way, I'm not saying like a real job. You should probably be doing that too. But start serving the Lord. I, I don't have verses in here, but you got the Great Commission. You, you've got verse after verse after verse after verse about serving the Lord. Many of you know them. Many of you have been in L or an or an MTT. You know, you know that you're supposed to serve the Lord. But when you're depressed, you know what you don't want to do? There are times you don't want to get out of bed, let alone actually do something. Like, I want to get out of bed to go to my couch to watch TV. Like, Lord, do you want me to go disciple somebody? Yes. You want me to go to church? Yes. You want me to be honest? Yes. Just get to work. Listen, just because Elijah was depressed or just because you might be depressed, God's not done working. Christian, you have a job to do. It doesn't matter if you're down in the dumps, you still got a job to do. And just because Elijah was under attack, it doesn't mean he can run and quit. You know what God says? Listen, Elijah. Hear my still small voice. And, and what's he tell him? Go anoint a new king. Go find Elisha. You, you need to get to work. Hey, why don't you go find someone to disciple him? He literally went to go to Elisha and disciple him. He was his replacement. Listen, there's going to be times when you're sitting around and you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're depressed and you're struggling. You're like, what do I do? Find God's still small voice and get to work. It's really, it's actually really simple. Wow. God makes things so simple. We just screw it up. Proverbs Proverbs 16.3, and I don't know if this is in your, I think I added this later. It might be up there. This is a great verse. Commit thy works unto the Lord. Just get to work. Do what God's calling you to do. And thy thoughts shall be established. You get to work. Your thoughts will catch up to you. It's literally what Troy told me. He's right, by the way. You get to work. Your thoughts will catch up to you. Just do what you know to do, Christian. Nick's taking over. I'm sure he needs some help. Ask him. Need any help? He might be thinking, "Oh, shut up, Josh." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he doesn't need. Listen, maybe he doesn't need help. But First Baptist needs people to serve. Right. Maybe you've never been disciple. Why, why don't you get disciple? Maybe you've been disciple. Why don't you go disciple somebody? Yeah. There, there's plenty of work to do. Why don't you find a lost person and give him the gospel? Want to try that? Find somebody else. Get to work. There, there is so much work to be done that we don't, we don't have enough people to do it. So just get to work. I don't feel like it, doesn't matter. Do it anyways. That seems so harsh. No, listen, just do it. Nike commercial. They knew what they were talking about. Just remember Proverbs 16, 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Listen, if you're in the midst of depression, you know what? There's no greater thing to ministering to people and doing what God's called you to do sharing the gospel. And finally, we just have to remember what's true. And I'm sorry, I'm going late, but Nick made, Nick made a mistake. He won't make this mistake again. I said, how long can I go? Oh, 30 to 40 minutes. But last week I went like 45 or 50. I'm like, ah, oh, there we go. There's my opening. <laughs> so we're going to blame Nick. I'm, I'm, I'm deflecting. Not my fault. You know what comes up so many times in this story with Elijah? <laughs> it's my fault. I'll take blame. You know what comes up so many times in this story with Elijah? Elijah, I'm all alone. I'm the only one. You know what God says in verse 18? Listen, that's not true. There there are 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There's still 7,000 men, Elijah. You're never alone, Christian, ever. We're in the last days and, and the church is crap out there, but you're still not alone. There's other people who love the Lord. I got to go to Albania and preach at a conference. You know what's so encouraging? There's other Christians there that believe what I believe and that are encouraging and love the Lord and doing the work that we're doing. You're not alone. It's easy to be depressed and think that you're alone, but the reality is you're never alone. You always have the Lord. Once again, whenever you're, you're feeling the anxiety and the depression and the frustration and the fear and all those things, your mind makes all these stupid things up. Your mind thinks you're alone. Your mind thinks this. Your mind thinks this, and you, you have to take captivity. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold. Listen, we have a mighty God. Remember that. It goes on to say, casting down imaginations. You've got to cast down your thoughts, folks. Your thoughts probably suck in depression. Mine did. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So maybe you're depressed. You know what? Does your thoughts line up with God's word? If not, you need to change your thoughts. Well, that's really hard. Yes, it is. But if your thoughts aren't lining up with God's word, then you know what? Your thoughts are false. God's Word is true. If your thoughts are lining up with the world or whatever the world's telling you and they're not lining up with God, the, guess what? The, wor- the world can lie to you. It's, it's a lie, guys. We have to take into every, every thought into captivity. Stop imagining all the craziness and like, what does God's Word say? And you're thinking, oh man, how do I do that? Philippians 4, 6-9. through 9. Be careful for nothing. You know what? Try not to worry about anything. I know that's hard. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Listen, instead of panicking, instead of freaking out, start to take captivity of your thoughts and, and just go to God. And the peace of God, which path, passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And sometimes you've got to pray a lot, and those, those thoughts creep up. But you know what? I found myself last year running, like this is one of my favorite verses last year, because I had to run my thoughts over and over and over again through Philippians 4. Four eight. Probably should tell you what verse it was. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a really good checklist right there, by the way. Are my thoughts pure? Are they honest? Are they true? Are they just? And, and listen, by, by the time you get through that list, most of the time, they're not. Right. What do you do with that? you got to line up with God's Word. So, so what do I do? I mean, if my thoughts aren't true? and Well, listen, find out what God's Word says, which means you're reading God's Word. I tell that to high schoolers all the time. Read God's Word. It's amazing what it'll do for you. But you all, we have an amazing God. He doesn't want you to live in depression. He doesn't want you to wake up and be anxious. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He doesn't want you to be going through the trials and tribulation of this life just completely miserable. He wants to be there for you. Listen, you have to stand and fight instead of run from your problems. You need to take care of yourself. It seems really simple. But you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself. You need to not isolate yourself from the Lord and the church. You need to always be hearing from the still, small voice. You need to always be about your father's business. Just do work. And you need to remember what is true. And listen, I get it. If you're in the midst of it or you've ever been through depression or something like this or hard trials, those are really, really hard things to do. You're going to have to decide you're just going to do them. You're going to have to decide that my God is enough. He knows the right things for me, and I'm just going to do it. Because if you don't do those things, and you let yourself wander into your mind, you let yourself wander in the world's wisdom, it's never going to get better. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30 says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, I, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the very God of the universe, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to run to him. Cast all your cares on him. Give him everything you have. Good, bad, horrible. Just give it all to him. And he's going to help you through it. Listen, if anybody is struggling with depression or anybody in the future struggles with it, I, I've had most of you in high school. Listen, you can always come to me. You can always go talk to Casey. You can always go talk to Nick. You can always go talk to Sarah. Always go talk to Bruno and Chrissy. You can always go talk to Troy. Always go talk to Jeff. Listen, we're, n- we're not just here to yell at you all the time. Eric told me I needed to yell at you guys tonight. No, no, did, I, did I do okay? Did I yell? I don't know. Okay, yeah. Um, listen, <laughs> We're here to help you. Many of us have been through situations. Todd has, I have. Life is hard and it sucks sometimes, but we're here to help. But At the end of the day, the Lord wants you to cast everything you have on him. He wants you just to hear his still, small voice over and over and over again. He doesn't want you to be depressed. You know what he wants? He he wants you to serve the Lord. Elijah gets up. He does what God tells him to do. He, he goes, he finds Elisha, he disciples him, Elisha takes over, he gets back to work, God keeps using him, and he can use you, Christian. Dear God, we love you. Uh, man, you are such an amazing God. Um, you're so gracious, you're so merciful, you, even whenever we're stupid, uh, and, and me above all, Lord, um, man, you still love us, you still care about us, and in the midst of our sadness, our frustration, our depression, our sin, or whatever it is, you... You still love us so much, and, and you'll meet us where we are, and, and you just want us to to have a relationship with you. You want us to to work, you want us to to change the world for you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here who's struggling uh, with depression or anxiety or, or whatever those things are, Lord, I pray that they're just willing to talk about it. Uh, they're willing to cry out to you and just cast all their cares on you, like you, you ask us to do, Lord. But also, just be willing to talk to the counselors in here or the people, their friends, and Lord, I pray that no one hides from it. Um, hiding will never work, Lord. You know that. I know that. And so, Lord, I just pray that, um, man, if if anybody's struggling with that, I pray that you will be uh, just able to give them the strength to talk to somebody. But also, Lord, if anybody walks in here, Lord, I pray that the kids who aren't struggling in this room are willing to just pour their heart out and and pray for and just help the people who are. Because your, your plan for the church is to, to help everybody, the lost and, and the hurting, whether they're saved or, or they're Christians, Lord. So I just pray that that is a place um, that, that you see when you look down here at the well and at First Baptist is a place where we're just helping the hurting. Amen.